Hi guys, I'm Coach Desi and this is Post Stop to Won't Stop. I'm a physician assistant who fell in love with bariatrics while working with a surgeon here in Florida. Finding ways to help my patients in their journey has always been my priority. I'm now a personal trainer who works with clients to help them reach their goals and stay on track after their surgery. Post Stop to Won't Stop was developed to allow patients a platform to share their stories and to help educate people on the process of weight loss through surgery. Let's listen to real people share their wins and losses and learn what really happens in the journey after surgery. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Post Stop to Won't Stop. I am really, really excited about today's guest because she has had a procedure that I have never spoken to a patient who's had this procedure. So this is going to be all new territory and I'm super stoked. So let's welcome Miss Kristen Romo. Good morning. Hello. Good morning, Desi. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you. So because I introed yeah. that way, we have to jump right into it. Let so what walk us through, like what, what surgery, well, now we have to say it, what surgery yeah. did you have? But like, I want to hear how you arrived to that decision. Like, tell us a little bit about your journey and a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I, um, I'm 35 years old. Um, I have one son, uh, who is six years old now. And after I had him, you know, weight is something for me that my whole life I've kind of struggled with on and off, you know, I've fluctuated up and down ever since I hit puberty. And I think a lot of women out there will recognize and, and kind of mirror that same journey. Um, I've been athletic my whole life, but then due to a few injuries, like two ACL tears, and then a third surgery with the meniscus chair on my right knee, um, you know, my activity level dropped and I was just having a hard time finding myself um, you know, um, adjusting and then you get into the workforce and you become a mom. And so I had gained quite a bit of weight. Um, and not only that, but after having my son, I developed a hiatal hernia and then I started having like terrible reflux. I mean, and it was to the point where it was disrupting my life. Um, and it was very uncomfortable after eating and just, you know, terrible, like couldn't control any burping and not to get too graphic, but like food would come up. And I mean, like it was just, okay, something has to be done. Um, but leading up to that point, I really started to come into my journey of wellness, which included weight loss, but wellness as a whole, and we can get into this a bit more later has to do with a lot of other kind of healing in different aspects of your life. When you really start talking about lifestyle change and, and the way that you think about yourself, um, but with the weight loss, I, I went on a weight loss journey for about a year and a half prior to the surgery where I really paid attention to my nutrition. I fell in love with yoga, which was a low impact sort of activity that I could do that still got my heart rate up. You know, I actually fell in love with it and became a, a certified yoga teacher and was teaching power yoga classes and all kinds of fun stuff. So I lost about 30 pounds on that journey by myself, non-surgical, uh, which was a great success, success. And then, but then I had this issue with the reflux. And so, and I was actually seeing a surgeon with the idea of, Hey, I think I'm going to get weight loss surgery. Like I was going through the pre-certification steps for the gastric sleeve. Um, but through that whole process and, you know, my nutrition counseling and everything I had to do leading up to it, and I even got like the psyche valve and all the prerequisites, I said to myself, you know, it's like, I've lost 30 pounds of my own though, up to this point. So I think I'm just going to kind of keep rolling with that. 
but I still had this reflux issue. Um, so that had to be fixed. So let's talk about fundification, right? Like, what is it? Um, it's not something that's necessarily fun, even though that's what's, that's the, in the name, but really what happened was the doctor goes in and they pull like the top portion of your stomach up just a bit and wrap it around your esophagus. Because what happened with my esophagus is that it had just become so expanded and it wasn't contracting the way that it should have done and like a, a healthy person for it to keep your food down and help everything move and digest in the direction that it's supposed to. It was actually very miserable, as you can imagine. So this, this surgery was necessary. Um, so we went, I went through the surgery and had that process done. And this was in, this was in May of 2020 and you know it was like I I had this done and I still had the post-op post-operative diet that um, patients do when they have a weight loss surgery um, because essentially I had structural changes done to my gastrointestinal um, region and stomach and esophagus and everything. And so I had to learn how to eat again, basically, which I think that's a process that people who've gone through these, these types of operations can really, when you talk about that, you're like, Oh, I know what you mean. You know, where it's like, you have to, it's a liquid diet, then it's a puree, then it's a soft food, and then it's back to eating normally. And that was such a process to me that was not only difficult, like, on a physical level, but on a spiritual level, you know, because there is a certain level of a kind of fasting that happens in the sense that you're not having that full on relationship with food anymore, like it's changed dramatically. And so after the fund application, I did lose another 20 pounds or so. So even though I didn't have that with the goal of weight loss in mind, um, I just told myself, I'm not going to go through all of this. And not continue to move in the direction that I need to move. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, you know, was another point that set me on this trajectory to just keep going with my health. Got it. So, so you, whew, there's a lot of stuff there. I, I, just, know. I don't know what direction I want to go in. So let's yeah. start with the surgery itself. Yeah. So you were sure. already in that process. So yeah. was this the bariatric surgeon recommended this based on your reflux and said, Hey, it'll right. kind of kill two birds with one stone. Or right. was this a different surgeon that did it? And you incidentally lost weight. Like walk me through that part. He was a great surgeon actually. So it was the same surgeon, Dr. Promomo, Anthony Promomo here in Houston. He is primarily a bariatric surgeon, but he also did fund applications and he also repaired the hernia at the same time. Cause he was like, look, Kristen, you got a number of things going on here. So what do we really need to focus on that's going to be most beneficial for your health long-term? And the, you know, the hernia needed to be fixed and, and the, the, the reflux thing needed to be addressed because I started to get a lot of erosion, um, you know, within my esophagus and like the top of my stomach lining and things like that. I mean, that was something that really needed to be taken care of. And he told me like, Hey, after this surgery too, you know, you're going to be losing some weight just because of the process and what you have to go through for recovery. And as long as you feel that, you know, you're committed to this lifestyle change, it looks like you are because you've lost 30 pounds on your own. 
um, it seems like this would be the plan for you. And that's my message too, for anybody who's listening, to be sure that you have a surgeon or any doctor in any case, whether it's for weight loss or, you know, cardiac or whatever your medical issue is, be sure you have a doctor who's listening to you. Be sure you have a doctor who's going to custom a plan um, for your success and the direction that you want to go that you feel truly comfortable with and you think is going to work for you. Because of course we trust doctors um, because they, they have the experience. They went to school, they know what they're talking about. And lots of times we'll trust their recommendations, of course, but you are the expert in your body. So Absolutely. that, that would be the one thing I want to be sure that uh, I share with people about my, my own journey. Yes. Y'all, when I first started talking to Kristen, we have so many similar views. I just, that's why I could not wait to get her story out here. So <laughs> just buckle in. Cause it's going to be a minute. We're going to have a yeah. lot of good conversation here. <laughs> um, so did the, so when he's talking about the options, um, yeah. cause another surgery that they talk about for, uh, specifically for reflux. Now yours is a little bit different, but they do talk about gastric bypass as an mm -hmm. option for reflux. Did he, did he yeah. talk about that? And what did he share as far as, um, surgical outcomes for weight loss with application, a fund application? Right, right, right. So gastric bypass is another thing. You know, when you start talking about weight loss surgery, you go through the different kinds and the options. And, and that's something that was brought up, but for me as someone in my stage, um, because I had lost weight on my own and because I wasn't significantly overweight when I had come to him in the sense of like hundreds of pounds overweight, um, you know, bypass is kind of like an extreme, um, uh, on the extreme end of the scale, as far as a uh, weight loss, uh, surgeries. So for that, you know, we touched on it a bit, but for him, he said, you know, it just seems like that might be something that's not absolutely in your favor. Like that probably wouldn't work the best for your type of situation. So that's why we talked a bit more about the sleeve, um, which is something that he had seen just with his patients who were of my similar situation had been a better option for them. Um, and then the fund application, I think for me, just because, I mean, he was concerned again, a great doctor, concerned about what my actual issue was like, yes, I wanted weight loss. Right. But I had something going on that was hindering my life, which was the extreme reflux issue. Um, and that was actually leading to immediate disease, you know, with the erosion issues that were going on and stuff like that. So he just, you know, again, made the recommendation and listened to my feedback. Um, and that, you know, the fund application, but again, understanding that it would still take the same kind of commitment from me just to be on board with that and stay committed, you know, years past the surgery um, for that, that lifestyle change. And so it felt like it was something that was, that was correct for me. Got it. Love it. So yeah. just for our listeners, just a couple things to note here. So Reflux at the bottom of your esophagus before it enters the stomach, there is a band of tissue there, um, a sphincter that is supposed to help uh, keep 
the stomach contents in the stomach. And um, when you have reflux, things from the stomach can reflux up into the esophagus. And of yeah. course, there's hydrochloric acid in the, in the, in the stomach as it's breaking down food. Uh, and you don't really want that going into the esophagus. And as it does, just like Kristen's explaining here, it creates erosion and it can change yeah. the cells that are there. And those cells um, can, you can get something called Barrett's esophagus. And if you have Barrett's esophagus, then you're at high risk for esophageal cancer. So this is a big concern. So if you're out there in, in the world and you have reflux, this is something you want to bring up to your your, your doctor and maybe have a surgical consult for. Um, in terms of a plication versus bypass, so if you are just producing a lot more hydrochloric acid, bypass may be the better option. But in Kristen's, what she's beautifully describing here is her esophagus was not only eroding, but it was, it was distended, it was stretching. And so the plication kind of comes around and helps bring that esophagus back. And as you, if you continue to allow the esophagus to, get larger and larger and larger, you can perforate. And that can be life-threatening. So when Kristen's talking about a serious situation here, it, it can be very, very serious. And if you ignore it, it can lead to, to untimely death and, and massive long-term hospitalization and problems. So, um, yeah. so that's just want to kind of give you guys the medical background on that a little yeah, bit. So no, that's fantastic. So in so you have the surgery and, and so yeah. you still went through the pre-op uh, nutrition, like a bariatric, like for someone that would have bypass and stuff. Or? Right. Right. So, um, mine wasn't as extreme. Like sometimes I hear a two week or a one week liquid diet. Mine was just a few days. So I think maybe I want to say two or three days. Um, of, yeah, that's a liquid diet. <laughs> yeah, it is a big difference. So, and, and something too, that I'd like to really speak on a little bit here, Desi and point out, because this was just something that hit me when I was in the hospital and recovering and, and rolling around just to roll myself over on the side and forget just getting up out of bed. Like it was just such a, a feat just to even just, like I said, roll over on my side. And I thought about, wow, you know, I had lost 30 pounds prior to that, to this point. And I thought about the people who go through weight loss surgery, who are in a space where they're still much heavier than where I had been. Um, you know, and, and I never compare like my middle to someone else's beginning or anything like that. This isn't about comparison, but just speaking to the respect that I have for people who go ahead and take that plunge at a point where they are at a very, very heavy space, what a challenge it must've been. Cause I'm going, wow, I've lost 30 pounds. And this is still st such a struggle for post-op, you know, especially in that, in that hospital space and recovery. And I'm thinking, gosh, you know, and, and I've heard a few times before people say, oh, weight loss surgery, that's the easy way out. You're just taking the easy way out. You just, you don't want to do the work to change your lifestyle and everything. I mean, it's still, you're still going to have to change your lifestyle. You're still doing all of that. But in fact, th this is way super difficult. And so it just opened up such a perspective to me um, to have such a respect for the individuals who go through um, this type of thing. It's really it's, it's kind of heroic in a way. And I just want to applaud everybody for anyone who's listening, who's gone through it, or if you have a family member who's gone through it, just realize how, how heroic of a feat it really is. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm glad that you're sharing that. And that couldn't be more <laughs> true. That's, that's absolutely the whole intention behind doing this podcast is to get these stories out there. So people can see that it's not in fact, the easy way out. It's actually the contrary. Right. It's kind of setting a, a, a clock, if you will, uh, starting a timer and saying, you know what, 
it's now, it's now is the time. And, and surgery is a big deal and people take it very seriously. And, um, I, again, I just appreciate those words because that's, that's what this is all about. So, sure. um, so let's talk about that weight loss side of it. So yeah. you had surgery, you did still have to go through the post-op diet. So, yeah. you know, graduating from liquids to purees to full, um, I know with a lot of, uh, surgeries in terms of bypass or duodenal switch or, or a sleeve, there are some foods that don't sit well, or they have problems with post-operatively. Is that something that you experienced with this surgery? This surgery was unique because again, physically, you know, my makeup of my body was changed. So, you know, I had the, not only the wraparound of my stomach on the esophagus, but there was swelling, all of that was swollen. So, and for like, two weeks or so, you know, it took a while for all of that to come down. And although I was managing with some medication and everything, um, one of the most traumatic things to me, and it's still a bit traumatizing when I think about it though, you know, I've, I've worked through it, but like, I couldn't swallow my own spit. You know what I mean? Like just to swallow normally, I couldn't sipping water was a struggle, like without hiccuping like just aggressively and feeling like I was just going to pass out. I mean, it was, it's hard to describe with fund application. And and that was just my experience. Listen, I don't want to scare anybody out there who has to have this surgery because it was the best decision I ever made. Cause now I'm living life normally again. Um, but it, it really was for me a, a truly difficult period. And, and that was the thing that again, I had a great surgeon who I called and said, Hey, I'm going through this. And he said, Hey, here's how you can manage it with medication and, you know, try these types of tactics and everything. And he just kept reminding me, like, you're just going to get over this speed bump, you know, get over this hump um, and it'll get better. Um, and then also, you know, things like support groups and stuff like that are really important. And, you know, and I had a friend actually who went through gastric sleeve the very next day um, at the hospital that I was at. So even though it was kind of, it was a different surgery, but kind of, you know, the same ballpark. So that was really important to make sure that you have that support as well. And then it's such a blessing if you have family members around you who are just really patient and there for you just to listen, that's really helpful. But just to touch back on the diet, um, what you were talking about, I mean, certainly, you know, just starting out gradually, um, and, you know, just with the protein shakes and things like that, I found that anything, it changed for me, anything that was dairy was hard for me. I had to go with, um, uh, what is it called? Isolated way that, that type of stuff, uh, proteins and, and things like that after, after surgery, um, because definitely dairy was difficult for me. Um, so really your, your body just goes through so many changes and it's really after surgery, building a very personal relationship with yourself, like deeper than you would have before, because you have to become very acutely aware and listen to your body and give it what it needs. Because if you don't listen to your body, it will scream at you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you kind of have to get to the point where it's like, Hey man, I really just need to have a tender relationship with you and start paying attention to what it is that you need. And that was one of the biggest takeaways um, post-op for sure. Yeah. And so in terms of uh, the different weight loss options, obviously this one is not one of the more popular ones. It's not right. really talked about. Like I said, you're my first per you're the first person I've ever come across who's had it. So I'm really intrigued. 
Um, what did your surgeon talk to you about as far as expectations of weight loss after surgery? I know, I know what they are with, you know, the other surgeries, it's tremendous weight yeah. loss very quickly, very soon. And, and it, and it can max out, but what is the, what is the expected weight loss with this surgery? So yeah, you know, he was very upfront with the expectations. So I just want to be clear out there. If you go to a weight loss surgeon and you're like, Hey, I want to do fund application for weight loss. He's probably going to look at you like what? you know, because really that's going to be a surgery to handle, you know, any, like, again, the erosion and, and the, you know, esophageal issues and reflux and things like that. But, you know, he knew that I was on the path of weight loss because I came to him in the first place for weight loss surgery, but then I had all of these other, what seemed like underlying issues, but they actually were prevalent and something that we needed to be sure to tackle. And he recognized that. Um, but as far as fitting it into the weight loss plan, you know, he was upfront with the fact of, Hey, you might lose about 20 to 25 pounds. Um, with the surgery, it's going to be faster, you know, than if you hadn't have had this surgery, even though you're on this weight loss track. Um, and then you're going to probably reach a point where it'll balance out and you'll be able to continue to maintain and, and, you know, keep working at your health and, kind of get you to that point. But again, as you alluded to with weight loss surgery, it kind of fast tracked everything um, yeah. and got me there, like, you know, a little more fast forward than if I had just been doing it traditionally. Right. So I would say this, and that's kind of what I looked up and saw as well, somewhere around 20, maybe up to 40 pounds is, is, you know, ballpark. So if yeah. you're someone that, you know, you need to lose like 80 plus pounds, probably not a good option. And, and like Kristen right. said, I mean, there's a reason why it's not one of the main surgeries, but again, I, I never know who's listening to this. This could reach somebody that has never known about this, that has this similar symptoms and similar, you know, background that this could be the story they need to hear. So I love sharing yeah. every single story, but what's more um, poignant to me about your story is the resources that you pulled in both preoperatively and postoperatively, postoperatively, because that is what I focus on within the practice that I've built and, and the business that I've built. It, it's really, really important to have support, not just from family and friends, but from for your journey itself. I mean, I always talk about the three pillars and that's movement, uh, nutrition, and mental health. So could you yeah. share with us what you found to help you that may, um, beyond the surgery, what things did you utilize to help you um, gain success. I, I'm really, I love that you bring up that it takes a collaboration between those things. Cause when we talk about being a whole and healthy person, it really embodies like mind, body, spirit, you know, mind, body, soul. Um, because it's a healing process you know, um, even though biologically, when we talk about weight loss, you know, especially with obesity medicine, now that that's becoming a more prevalent field, you know, we're learning, of course, there's genetic reasons, there's biological reasons for weight gain and things like that. But also, there's a lot of psychology behind it, you know, and um, if, for instance, if you're depressed, you're not going to be someone who wants to get up and, and go and get the movement in and make a good meal for yourself, because you think you're not worth it. You think you're not worthy. You don't want to do those things. So mental health is so important. Um, I made sure that I had a good mental health provider. I did the right kind of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and I, I spent the time truly on myself. You know, I, I reached a point where I just truly wanted to be dedicated to myself and my own healing. 
and to become the person that I need to become. And for me, a lot of that had to do with some spiritual work too, and understanding, you know, my personal relationship with, with my creator. And I don't want to get too heavy on that, but that was a, a big deal for me also, because that's how I really start to develop this love for myself and realize the value for myself and the work that I needed to put in for myself, in fact, is not something selfish, but something that was right for me to do. Um, and so, and now this is, this is not something that happens overnight. This is a journey. It takes years. You know, the person that's sitting here today at 35 is not the person who was at 25. You know, I had to let go of the relationships, the behaviors, the addictions, the self-destructive things in my life that were preventing me from doing right and from taking care of myself the way that I needed to. And it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's so important. And it's, I can't stress it to people to go ahead and start today, you know, pick something. Um, and if you need help, there's so much support out there. Like there's companies like yours, there's, you know, online mental health support now with great companies, you know, who are out there like Advantage Point or a neuro coach or, you know, anything else like that, there's, you know, start making those connections and start, you can't, here's the thing, like, we're not meant to do this on our own. So you got to find what kind of support systems are going to be helpful for you. So that's what I started to do. And I started to, you know, throw myself into yoga classes and, and again, going to a good behavioral health specialist and also exploring the different specialists that were available to me through, you know, the resources around me, of course, my PCP. And then I started seeing an endocrinologist and my, you know, forming a good relationship with my gynecologist and, and all that type of stuff. You kind of really have to advocate for your own self and your health and educate yourself on your own body, mind, and soul and what's going on there. Absolutely. And gosh, man, Y'all need to rewind that and listen to it again, because that is 100% true there. When people think of weight loss and I don't knock it, everybody's in a different part of their journey, but, you know, going to some of these clinics and just getting a medication and, and losing weight that way is only temporary. I'm just going to be real with you. Yeah. Um, it takes exactly what you said to have long-term. Now you had surgery in 2020 one of the most brutal times in, in our entire history to have had oh, yeah. weight loss surgery or, you know, yeah, it was hardcore. Surgery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and here we are over two years later. And so what does your journey look like today? So today I, I like to be very authentic in my journey. And I have to express that there are still struggles um, and that I still have to use my tools. And I speak a lot about this to my clients. So I do have my wellness business as well um, in energy medicine and the healing arts. And I speak to people all the time about like, you have to have your tools and you have to use them often. You can't build anything without tools, right? So I still, you know, whatever has been tried and true to me, you know, behavioral health, my support systems, my, my habits, you know, forming new habits and, and learning how to be dedicated to the disciplines in your life that are for your greater good. 
those are the things that really you have to make a commitment to yourself. And when you fall off the wagon, as they say, you know, you, I mean, it's okay. You have to give yourself some grace because it's going to happen. You have to always channel the love that you have for yourself. That's the big thing too, because if you're someone who's like me, you're going to be very hard on yourself, but that's not going to work for you because we have to understand that our thoughts create our reality. So, so thoughts are energy, right? They, and, and energy is something that cultivates with the universe. We co-create with the universe. So if you're constantly thinking I'm eating wrong, I'm failing at this, I'm self-sabotaging, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You're literally creating that for yourself in the future. So start changing your inner dialogue and start learning how to get your coaching correct, you know, and, and how do you learn that? You learn that by coming out to other resources, like companies like yours or speaking to mental health providers who can teach you how to start changing that inner dialogue so you can change the way you think. So then that way your reality will follow. Yes. Um, so that's, that's one of the big takeaways that I've had further out that I get post-op and trying to maintain the lifestyle. Did you learn that in your, so you're the first person who's ever said it. I've said it before, but you're the first person that's talked about it from a treatment perspective, cognitive behavioral therapy. And when I talk to patients about that, so I want to hear about what your experience is with, with cognitive behavioral therapy. A lot of times I talk to patients, clients about the importance of mental health support. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, this doesn't necessarily mean that there's something diagnosable, like just to, just to decrease, you know, get that fear out of their brain. It's not yeah. like I'm saying there's something diagnosable. What I'm saying is there's habits that have been ingrained since you were a young, young child, um, that you don't even maybe even recognize that you're doing. And Absolutely. so getting mental health support can help you break those through something called cognitive behavioral therapy. So I love yeah. that you're talking about this. I, I want to know what your experience, what does that look like? Cause I, the pushback I get from patients is, well, I already know what I need to do. I just need to do it. What would right. you say to that person? Here's the difference. What I love about cognitive behavioral therapy as a tool is that it makes you acutely aware, right? Because, well, I know what we need to do. I know what's happening. I know what's going on, but I mean, are you aware how these things are really affecting your life and hindering you? What, what really, what, what CBT opened up for me was the why. We go through life, we're functioning in a certain way. We see what's happening. We know what's going on, but it's kind of like, you're so detached, you know, and this, the, the sessions that I would have for, with CBT helped me understand the why why I'm doing this, you know, it's so important. And even in all aspects in your life, what it taught me to do was question everything, question everything, and really start to think for yourself um, about your processes. And, and there's like a radical self inquiry that can happen, uh, where you can truly begin to start understanding yourself. And healing can happen only with forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is the key to healing. So once you start to really talk through and understand the why to certain behaviors that you have, behaviors of the people around you and within your family, certain occurrences that happen and how they began to affect you, and then begin to find 
the forgiveness that you can have around those situations. And then once forgiveness happens, then change can happen. But none of this can come into play until we, we come to an area of acceptance and love and understanding and understanding the why. And cognitive behavioral therapy is just kind of a fancy clinical way of, of saying, hey, we're just going to sit down and talk about these things and help you understand why in a space that is non-judgmental. And I speak about this too a lot in, in my practice of, you know, as a, as a wellness provider, letting go of expectation, competition, and judgment, and just looking at things the way they are. So then that way you can, again, find that forgiveness and, and move forward. So that's really what the therapy for me, <clears throat> excuse me, um, helped, helped me to move forward in, in my healing and begin a journey where I was living a life in a healthier way in mind, body, and soul. Beautiful. Now, at some point, how long is your, how, how long have you been practicing your wellness? How long your Gosh. Uh, so my, my business as it is right now, open gate wellness, I actually branded that out just this April, but I've been teaching yoga and, um, doing energy work and things like that since, uh, gosh, 2014, uh, January 1st of 2014. So it's been a number of years now. Got it. Um, and it's been, like I said, quite a journey. Yeah. Quite and so journey. that's what I'm, I'm yeah. interested now to hear how this metamorphosis from you personally through this since surgery, you know, since your surgical experience and, and weight loss, how has that changed your, your business, your, you know, your practice? You know, it's like, I I'm of the mindset that when you go through so much in life, that, that gives you the ability to really connect with other people and meet them where they are and look at them with a compassionate eye. You know, I have people who set appointments with me and come to me for Reiki work or just for spiritual counsel. I'm also an ordained minister and things like that. And they're like, I have these things that are burdening me. They're so heavy, you know, and I just, I don't want you to judge me or think wrongly of me. And it's like, look, there's not a thing that you can tell me that I'm going to think of you differently. There's not a thing I've seen, I've heard, I've probably lived through most of what you've done or felt, you know, um, and I'm just here for it. I'm here for it. And I'm here from you. It allows me to look at every person that I interact with, with absolute compassion. And I think that's one of the greatest superpowers anyone can have. Yep. I agree. I agree. So energy work, talk to us about energy work. <laughs> I love it. Cool. cool. Great. Um, so I first got a taste of energy work through, well, really yoga is a form of energy work in its purest form. It's a spiritual practice. When you uh, really look at its origins in, in India, you know, here in, you know, American consumerism, it's marketed as a, a physical fitness thing and stuff. 
which it is, can be absolutely, but at its core, it is an energy work. It's, it's a type of practice that can be used to align your chakras. So if you're not familiar with the chakra system, there's seven of them within the body. They run along the center axis of the body from the center of the pelvis all the way up to the crown of the head. Um, and yoga practice and the asanas or the postures are used to help align those throughout the practice. And, you know, people are like, oh, I feel so great and amazing when I come out of a yoga practice. It's the breathing, it's the stretching, and it's the everything that is true. Yes, because also there's a science behind yoga. It flips our nervous systems from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic nervous system. So yes, that's the science behind it. But also in the energetic aspect of it, you have done some work that has aligned your chakras. So energetically, you're feeling that relief and that sort of alignment within itself as well. Um, so there's that. I started that in 2014 and, and continued with that journey. And then Reiki work, which is pure energy work, um, it's a type of energy healing that was established by Mikao Wasui back in the early 1900s in Japan. That's the system that I use. Um, I started doing that. Gosh, when was that? I think that was in 2015 or 16, not long after the yoga, I would have to look at my certifications, but um, there's three levels of certification to that. And I, I'm now a master teacher in Asui and Holy Fire Reiki. And what that is, is essentially Reiki means kind of like a, a, a life force universal energy. Um, we all have it right? It's an energy that we feel that we emanate from each other. For instance, when a mother holds their child, right? And you feel that comfort and that love, or just any sort of energy that's passed between two people that helps them feel better, right? Raises their vibration, uh, that type of thing. And so those of us who have gone through attunement with other master teachers, it's sort of like an initiation that has allowed us to be able to, uh, on a kind of like exponential level, help raise that and bring that out um, for other people and help them, you know, a Reiki session, um, you can look them up online. It's kind of becoming a lot more popular now, which is great. Um, but it's a, a calming session in, in most cases. I mean, some people experience it a certain little you know, different side effects and things, but those can always be talked out, but you lay down on a table and typically there's different hand positions you can lay either on or above the client. And uh, we work on each chakra um, to um, basically just, you know, raise your vibration and give you a little tune up, so to speak. And I also work in crystal healing into my sessions. Some people like to use sound bowls. I use a sound immersion with a certain uh, tracks that I have. I also use aromatherapy in my sessions and things like that. So uh, yes, and energy healing, honestly, is, is something that I have fallen deeply in love with that I feel like has brought an essence of a certain level of healing that is very important that needs to be happening for um, all people. So Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I know I've been talking and talking and talking, but I kind of want to try to explain it as well as I can for someone who hasn't actually experienced it. So oh, you did a great <laughs> job. I mean, yeah, 
And it's interesting. Gosh, I wish I lived in Houston because all that sounds just so magical right now. Like I <laughs> definitely could use a session. Yeah. So because I don't, what, how, yeah. and you're right, I can Google search and I have just fun fact, I have Google searched <laughs> looking for this, um, sure. but I get wigged out. I worry that I'm going to end up with someone who's just not, you know, it's almost like a massage therapist. You want to get the referral. So sure. what is it specifically that we should be, if we're going to do a search, what is it? What's the things that we might want to look for to say, okay, this person might be, you know, you know, I would encourage you and I get that right. Cause when I went on my first, you know, quest and found these things and honestly, well, the way that I found my first Reiki master was through a, a group that I was speaking with and current healing connections, it's called out in Bakersfield, California. So I would speak, you know, every couple of months on yoga, um, in this group. And I connected with another woman, Jerry, Jerry Bell, who she's passed away now. She was my first Reiki master. May she rest in peace. She was a very sweet woman, but um, she spoke on Reiki. And I thought, wow, what is this? I'm intrigued. This is, huh? And I heard her speak a few times. And then I spoke to other few people who've gone to her for uh, some sessions. And I thought, well, I'm going to try it, you know? And I think maybe when you're out there and you're searching and you're Google searching, I mean, read some reviews, maybe even go see if you can meet the person, if they have an office or something like that, before you dive into a session with them. I mean, on my website, I offer what I call a, a diagnostic session. It could be 15 or 30 minutes where me and a client just zoom call, or we can meet at the office and we speak with each other and see, you know, what comes up, what comes to the surface, what's going on, what we, you know, what I can help you with, what you're looking for. And so we can get a feel for each other. And if you feel like, you know, my services, if I'm the person for you, you know, cause I feel like that's fair because there's a lot of skepticism, mysticism, things like that behind these healing arts practices, which I'm working hard at trying to change that narrative. And, and make it more normalized and not kind of like creepy yeah. <laughs> in some cases, you know, cause they, they can be at, at some points, but that's changing now. But I mean, that's what I would recommend. And I would, again, this is something that I'm trying to teach to people to use your intuition. If you're dealing with somebody or you, you know, walk into a place and it's just not feeling right with you, then that means it's not for you. Right. It means it's not for you. So go with what feels good. Start trusting yourself. That's a big thing that everyone needs to start learning is trusting yourself and your own ability to tap into uh, your your God-given discernment and learning what feels good and what doesn't and trust that. That's amazing because that's part of one of the programs that we have. We actually work with patients to help them identify symptoms that are being caused by certain things they eat. And it's it's relying on listening to your body because I feel Listen like we've yourself. lost that. We've lost that through whether it's, you know, going to the doctor and them dismissing your, your ailments or a loved one dismissing your ailments or just not being heard. We then shut down and we stop listening to our bodies or even through yeah. sports like athletics, you know, ah, oh, suck it up, get back out there. And we, again, learn oh, yeah. it's a learned behavior to just dis disregard whatever your body's trying to that feedback loop. And so, sure. um, ah, like I said, it never fails. We talk and there's something you'll say. And I'm like, yes, right there. 100%. Um, yeah. and so, yes, I, I love that. Make sure you guys are connecting out there. Don't do not dismiss the feedback that your body, your mind, and your spirit are giving you. Um, so, all right, well, Kristen, I like to, to leave with a little favorites questions. Sure. So what are your, what are your favorite? Let's say what's 
books. I feel like you've read a lot. You're very well-versed in things. What do you enjoy reading? What's, what's a good book out there that you would recommend? Oh gosh. Um, Hmm. I would encourage people to read um, right now. What I'm really into is there's a book called the emotion code um, by Dr. Nelson. I believe that's fascinating stuff. What he's really done to establish a system for it's basically energy work and healing, but he's established a whole system around it. Uh, uh, his name, I can't recall, but yeah, uh, Dr. Nelson, I believe it is the emotion code. And then he also has something called the body code, but the emotion code really helps you um, understand um, that we can recognize and identify certain emotions and release them um, because emotions are energy and they can be trapped in our bodies. And that's what can cause us certain ailments and, and they're, you know, trauma is trauma is something that when we are not able to let go of something, but he's developed a whole system that you can actually get certified in to be able to help people release those emotions and release those traumas. It's actually a beautiful and fascinating thing to read about. Um, also, there's another book, if you're into this called many lives, many masters. Um, it's written by an actual psychiatrist. Oh, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head, but that's pretty fascinating. If you're someone who's interested in um, past lives and past life regressions and those type of studies, um, it's about a, a case that he actually had with a patient. Um, he uses a fictional name for her, but that's something, if you're willing to open to your mind to that, that is pretty fascinating as well. Many lives, many masters. So that's kind of where, where I am <laughs> right now in my, my reading repertoire um, that I would uh, recommend anybody to dive into if you're into those sort of topics. Gosh, I love this. I could, guys, I'm so sorry. I know this could take out, I could talk to her for hours. Like, <laughs> I, and this is the thing. This is why I love doing this because you connect with people and you learn something that like, I learned so many new things talking to you today that I have never learned before. I knew this was going to be an exciting pod because I was like, she's had a surgery. I've never talked to anyone who's had this before for weight loss. Um, I knew kind of a lot of the topics that you would bring up because we've chatted yeah. about those. I just, I appreciate so much you coming on. I appreciate your authenticity. I appreciate Thanks. your energy. I appreciate what you're doing and giving back to others um, going through this journey. Um, last thing, just give us, um, what's the website where we can look you up and, and maybe reach out. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get in touch with me. I'm here for it. Um, my website is open gate wellness, TX that's for Texas TX.com. You can find me on Instagram, Instagram that's open dot wellness, Facebook, open gate wellness. Um, all of my contact information is on my website. You can call text, uh, and email. Um, I also do virtual services because energy knows no time and space. So there's just as effective. So, and all of my services are listed on my website. I also want run retreats locally, um, workshops, things like that. So lots of exciting things also in the works as well. And I'm always here for anybody to connect with. If you have a question, don't be afraid to message me. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys, reach out to Kristen. She's, uh, she's someone that's just got a tender heart and she is genuine. So she's definitely a good referral source. Um, thank you so much, Kristen. I really appreciate you coming on. 
Thank you, Desi. And thank you for everything that you're doing and all your beautiful works and creating the platform that you have, you know, the world needs more healers and, and people such as yourself. Um, so thanks for being an inspiration to everybody. Oh, thanks girl. I appreciate that. Thank you all for listening. I hope you loved this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you thought of this episode and any ideas you'd like to hear more about. Keep in touch through social via Facebook or Instagram at Coach Desi and subscribe to my newsletter at CoachDesi.com. Remember, your journey is still being written.